So it's late at night, and you're home alone, and the doorbell rings, and there's a knocking, and so you check on your phone, you have your camera, right, to see who's at the door, and you see it's uniformed police officers, and your mind begins to race. Why could they be here? Someone, something bad happened to somebody I love. You're wondering. So you get to the door, you open it, and as they begin to talk to you, it's, you're realizing they suspect you of committing a serious crime. So what should you do? Just cooperate and answer all their questions? No. <laughs> you should ask for a lawyer. <laughs> Not just guilty people, but innocent people. Right? You, may, uh, you may be, again, middle of the night, startled, may misremember something, and they're going to be very careful to trip you up on that later. So you want to ask for a lawyer. Jesus, the night before he dies, is telling his disciples he's going to leave them. But he will not leave them orphans. He will come to them. And the way he's going to come to them, he says, is by sending the paraclete, the spirit of truth. The word paraclete is a Greek word for lawyer or advocate. And we see the activity of the spirit of truth in our first reading today, working first through a deacon named Philip. Philip is going to Samaria, and he's telling them about Jesus Christ. And he got a very good reception there. It says, with one accord, the crowds paid attention to what was said by Philip when they heard it. He also cast out demons from people who were afflicted by evil spirit, and he also healed the sick. These were signs of the power and love of God and his kingdom. Wherever Christ is proclaimed, there is in some form deliverance of evil and healing. Now, Philip baptizes them, but then the apostles come to lay hands on them. And this is one of the scriptural bases for the sacrament of confirmation. In confirmation, you receive the Holy Spirit for a special purpose. In confirmation, you receive the Holy Spirit to help you to witness to Christ and to suffer for him. And St. Peter talks about this witnessing and that sometimes what it involves In our second reading, he says, always be ready to give the reasons for anyone who asks for the hope that you have. Sharing the gospel is a joint project. It's a partnership between the Holy Spirit and each member of the church. And it is so important now that we examine ourselves and ask if we've been doing what we need to do to share the gospel because so many people are living today without hope. The only true hope that is found in Jesus Christ who gives us eternal life. And part of the reason a lot of people don't believe is precisely because we haven't, many of us haven't been ready to give reasons for our hope, you know. I talk to many people who have left the church and some of them who are are coming back and some who haven't and oftentimes it's something that it's an unbelief that began maybe in high school or when they were young adults. And as is natural, you begin to question things and have a critical approach to things. And now sometimes it's kind of a self-interested uh, criticism. It's, they don't want to you know, follow what God asked them to do, so they will come up with criticisms. But oftentimes it's a, it's a sincere questioning, in which case... Um, what, what many of them have found is neither their parents nor other Catholics they know really are, are willing or able to give answers. And 
Why aren't we ready? Well, I think one reason can be that we're not praying. We're not connected with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. And so we don't, because we don't have that connection, when we're called upon to witness the truth of the gospel, we don't know how to let the Holy Spirit work through us. We don't have the courage that the Spirit gives. And the second reason that we're not ready is because we haven't spent a lot of time studying or reflecting deeply on our faith and the reasons why we do what we do. It was a, in my homiletics class, we had to go through a very rigorous process, including prayer and study and writing out a, a whole script of the homily, and then we had to give it without any notes at all. And there was one seminarian who um, didn't turn in his script before the thing, and the professor asked him, why didn't you? And he said, well, he says, I don't need a script. When I get to class, the Holy Spirit will tell me what to say. <laughs> and the professor said, well, if the Holy Spirit doesn't move you to the library, you will flunk my class. <laughs> so that's another way the Holy Spirit can work. Just finished uh, preparing about 24, 25 mostly young adults for the Sacrament of Confirmation, which they will receive. And I just taught the last class about 10 days ago, and I just sat them and I asked them to share kind of what's kind of the one thing that made the most impact on them. And there was um, three things that came up basically repeatedly. So one of them was that they, they realized that um, in prayer, you should try to listen to God. So this was like a new insight for many of them, which is a very good insight. And some of us who have been practicing the faith for a long time, so we need to be reminded of that. Uh, secondly, they, some of them noted that they were um, very interested to learn all the, the scriptural basis for the seven sacraments, that our faith as Catholics is rooted in the word of God. Uh, and thirdly, and, uh, and I took a little pride in this because this was one of the classes that I taught, many of them said, that they were amazed to learn of the historical, scientific, and philosophical evidence which supports our faith. Being ready to speak about our faith is so important for the people we care about so that they can have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know some of you have tried with your relatives, and I want to just encourage you not to nag. You know, if, if you've invited and they're, and they're, they're resistant, you may have to wait. You pray for an open door. Sometimes they have to come into a point in their life where they have experienced that the world's promises of happiness are lies. They have to experience that before they're open to accepting the promises that Jesus Christ makes to them, which are truth. And I have a sense from looking around today, some of you moms have, have used Mother's Day to invite your children here. And if they had refused, they'd be terrible children. So they did come with you, and we're happy that, that, that you guys could be here with your moms. The greatest explainer of Christianity in the 20th century, in my view, is a man named Clive Staples Lewis. You probably, if you've heard of him, you've heard of him as C.S. Lewis, because if your name's Clive Staples, you're going to want to go by C.S., right? But he had a happy childhood. Until the age of nine, his mother died. And then his father became very emotionally distant, put him in a boarding school where he had a very cruel headmaster. And this contributed to him losing faith in God. He became an atheist as a teenager. 
And he actually says, as an atheist, he says, I was angry at God for not existing. Right? But he was brilliant, and he was a voracious reader. He ended up um, being a professor at Oxford. Um, and, but he, he would read so much, and he was struck at how really the best ideas and insights that he, that he had read really came from Christian writers. One writer in particular um, that he loved his wit and wisdom was that of G.K. Chesterton, who had converted to Catholicism. In 1929, C.S. Lewis reluctantly opens the door a little bit to the idea that, yes, there probably is a God, but he hadn't yet come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, 1931, he's talking with two of his buddies. You've heard of one of them, J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, you heard of him? So they'd, they'd hang out. And then there was another guy you haven't heard of uh, named Hugo Dyson. Um, so, Tolkien... And Lewis loved ancient myths, and you can tell in the world that Tolkien builds, right, in Lord of the Rings, he's just this master, you know, he's understood really this, this is a, a universal human phenomenon, kind of the epics, the epic story, the basic themes of the epic story take different forms, and there's even some similarities between Christianity and some of these myths. But what Tolkien helped Lewis to see was that in Jesus Christ, the myth became history, that the myth became fact. Dyson helped him with another issue. Dyson helped uh, Lewis to see that if you really believe and you really practice Christianity, that it works. And what he meant was, it brings you peace and joy, and it does make you a better person. And so, he has this conversation which he was replaying in his mind. And then he's going on a trip to the zoo, and then he just has this grace the Holy Spirit working in his soul where he comes to faith, a faith that he never again wavered in. And we could see that it was the Holy Spirit that touched his heart, but also it was the Holy Spirit working through his friends. And we can think about, about us being able to play that role in other people's lives. Another thing, besides learning you know, reasons, objective reasons to believe, all of us should be ready to share something of our own personal story, our own walk with God with others. All of you, have something interesting to share in this account. It's just we don't spend time reflecting on it, and so we're not ready to share it. Um, part of your story could include answered prayers, certain realizations that you've had, ways that your relationship with God has changed your thoughts or behaviors. It could be how God helped you endure through a time of trial and suffering. It could be God incidences, you know, these recognizing God's providence and acting through coincidences. Could be just sharing about your experience of serving others and how meaningful that is to you. The story that is told in the Bible, which is, includes the great adventures of the apostles that we've been reading, is a story that's continuing in our lives as members of Christ's body. We are not left as orphans. Jesus sends us his spirit to be our advocate. But we must receive and cooperate with the spirit. And when we do, we'll be amazed at how God will win the hearts of many and the earth will cry out with joy.